today on 2C Fans. So one thing in particular has caught our eye because mostly because we don't fully understand it. What is ocean acidification? Good question. <laughs> um, well, ocean acidification, a good simple way of looking at it is that it is the uh, it's the other carbon dioxide problem, or the, the twin, evil twin of, of climate change or, or global warming. Our, our bay and our coastal environments will have a better chance of dealing with these global impacts because they'll be healthier. Just like our human bodies, if, if, if we're eating a lot of sugar and, and stressing ourselves out, we're, we're more likely to catch a flu that's going around, or a virus. But if we're really healthy, we have a better chance of fighting it off. Welcome to Two C Fans at Moat. Uh, She's Haley, Haley Rucker. And he's Joe Nicholson. And we are Two C Fans talking with Dr. Emily Hall from here at Moat. Hi, Hi, Em. Hi, guys. How are you? Good. How are you? Pretty good. Very good. We're here to figure out what it is you've been studying. <laughs> Many things for a long time here. So one thing in particular has caught our eye because mostly because we don't fully understand it. What is ocean acidification? Good question. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, ocean acidification, a good simple way of looking at it is that it is the, uh, it's the other carbon dioxide problem or the, the twin, evil twin of, of climate change or, or global warming. It's, so just to get it straight, it's not caused by climate change. No, it's it's kind of it, it's a twin of climate change. It, it it goes kind of hand in hand. It has to do with the amount of carbon dioxide that we're putting into the atmosphere, and not just the amount, but the rate at which we're putting it into the atmosphere. Um, and that carbon dioxide gets a, well, a, a percentage of that carbon dioxide gets absorbed into our ocean, our oceans, and uh, which has been good because it helps alleviate some of the carbon dioxide that's in our atmosphere. But because of how quickly we're putting it in and, and how much we're putting in, uh, it's starting to shift the chemistry of our ocean. And unfortunately, that can cause a lot of problems on some of our marine organisms and ecosystems. Hmm. So it's like, I'm just, I, if I only care about land, I'm just going to throw all this stuff in the ocean. Hope it goes away. <laughs> well, unfortunately, that's been kind of a thought uh, for humankind for a long time. You know, we have the old saying of the solution to pollution is dilution, which is not really <laughs> a good solution. Um, and so as we learn more and more about our ocean, you know, there's still oceans, there's still a lot that's unexplored. But as we continue to study it, we, we know that there's a lot we get from our ocean. There's a lot we depend on, just the balance of Earth ecosystems, even those land-based ecosystems that you're, you're, you're curious about or you care about, depend on stuff that happens in the ocean. Right. So like when, oh, so when ocean acidification starts to happen, what, what is acidification in general? What does that mean? What does that mean? So that chemistry that I was talking about, when that carbon dioxide gets dissolved into the ocean, it starts, it starts to shift it. And without getting into all the heavy uh, chemistry, um, basically the pH of our ocean starts to drop and it starts to become a little it, less basic or more acidic. So um, 
for anyone who understands pH or doesn't understand pH, a lot of people measure pH in their swimming pools or we look at pH in our bodies. Um, neutral is considered seven. Anything less than that is more acidic. Anything you know higher than that is more basic. But um, we've seen a drop in pH even since pre-industrial times when we first started to burn fossil fuels, for example. We've seen a, a shift from something like an 8.2 down to an 8.1 to an 8.0. And it's predicted in the next 50 years to drop down to about a 7.8 and then maybe even in 100 years down to a 7.6. And so that's not like acid. That's not like battery acid. But it's still... It's um, bad enough to... Yeah. yeah, it's bad enough to start to um, eat away at anything that calcifies. Yes, correct. Gotcha. And this hasn't been going on... This has been going on for... Well, since the Industrial Revolution, then, is what it sounds like. Yes. Yes. Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it took us how long to figure yeah, that out? Right. I mean, there have been scientists who've been kind of looking at it for a while, but like the term ocean acidification and, and, and where we really started to put a lot of focus and emphasis on it has only been in the last like 10 to 15 years. So. Um, wow. It's, it, it sounds like we are way behind on this curve on understanding ocean acidification and, and the ramifications and, and what we can do to start mitigating all of the uh, the things that are, are going on. Yes. <laughs> so how many, are, are there a lot more people starting to take an interest in ocean acidification? Yes, and that, that's, a, that's a positive. There are a lot of scientists who are focusing on it now, um, and there are a lot of uh, policymakers and politicians who are starting to understand it, um, which is really good because that's going to help us with trying to determine what we need to do to help, like you said, mitigate or, or help kind of try to prevent it um, or slow it down at least. So that's really important. And we're seeing it in a lot of our educational programs too. It, it's starting to show up in science books. So that's, that's, that's a good sign. Well, because we know people aren't going to stop driving cars or driving buses and trains. <laughs> um, it's part of our culture. Right. So it's hard to change that. So are there any solutions that you are seeing or, or, or you know, coming to grips with? Well, and that that's a really good question. And I get asked that question a lot. You know, how can we stop it without you know, completely stopping how we as humans behave. Well, um, it is difficult, but we can definitely reduce the amount of fossil fuels we're burning. Um, even just individuals can do things like uh, take public transportation instead of all the individual cars that are out there or, or carpool or ride your bikes. And even though that seems like a very little piece, um, the more people that do it, it's going to add up, especially in your local communities. Um, there's, there's things like that. Now, one of the hard things with ocean acidification is that it's a global problem. It's not just, you know, here in Florida, it's not just in the U S it's, it's all these countries that, that, um, have a part in, in contributing to it. So that makes it pretty tricky to, to deal with. Um, yeah, it would be like if everybody in your town litters and like one person stops littering, but everybody else keeps doing it and then you have to right. see the litter. <laughs> right, but we don't want to, you know, if we if we talk about it too much like that, then people are going to be like, well, then what's the point? No right. one else is going to do it. So there are ways, um, especially starting in your local community, if you keep your backyard clean, for example. So like here in, in Sarasota, if we keep Sarasota Bay clean, um, you know, keep the pollutants out, keep, you know, don't over fertilize, don't, you know, 
put you to know, wash things off into the bay, keep, you know, clean up your trash, recycle all that stuff. Um, our our bay and our coastal environments will have a better chance of dealing with these global impacts because they'll be healthier. Just like our human bodies, if 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 we're eating a lot of sugar and and stressing ourselves out, we're we're more likely to catch a flu that's going around or a virus. But if we're really healthy, we have a better chance of fighting it off. Mm. So same kind of thing. Keep your backyards clean. That makes sense. But you know, I feel like we jumped way ahead to the solutions yeah. before we said oh. typical <clears throat> typical humans moving yeah. ahead too fast. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the, Not that on me. Yeah. yeah, you're a typical human, uh, Joe. Well, yes. And, and as I'm finding, I am also a man. <laughs> human. Yes. So, like, so, Mr. Human, do you know how it ocean acidification might affect marine animals and plants? Well, I, I think I alluded to it earlier with, uh, with the calcifying critters. Um, anything yeah. that creates a shell through or structure through calcification would be very susceptible mm-hmm. to ocean acidification. Is he right? Correct. You get an A in class today. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, and that those are... Neener, some, neener. <laughs> <laughs> some of those organisms, especially things like corals, for example, which are a, a big percentage of their... their um, the organism is, is, a, is a calcifying skeleton, a, cal- a calcium carbonate skeleton. And that's, that's one of the first organisms that we've really focused on in trying to understand the effects of ocean acidification in our labs and in the field. And we have found that uh, in ocean acidification environments or environments that we've created to uh, be what we think the future is going to be like, we found that they calcify much less. In fact, we even start to see dissolution where their, where their skeletons are starting to dissolve. Um, and there are many other organisms um, that we're seeing this effect in on other calcifying organisms like our bivalves or clams, oysters, scallops, those kinds of organisms. Um, and, and it's not just calcification. There are other animal effects as well. Like what? So we we look at things like other other physiological processes, meaning um, other other ways that, uh, that animals behave. So we're we've seen changes, other physiological changes like photosynthesis and respiration can be affected, and it's really? not yeah. And, and so corals um, respire, but they also have photosynthesis because of their the symbiotic organism that lives within them. Mm-hmm. Um, but w- we see an effect on certain plants um, uh, with photosynthesis and respiration. We've also seen behavioral changes in things like larval fish, uh, where, um, and this isn't a study I've done, but uh, other colleagues have done studies where they put juvenile fish in, in an ocean, acidified, ocean acidification type scenario, an aquarium, for example, with a predator. And uh, in, an, in a normal seawater, they swim away from the predator. But in an ocean acidification environment, they, swim, they kind of get all disoriented and they'll swim towards the predator. Whoa. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Wow, that's uh, yeah, that that's not good. No. Yeah. Well, and for photosynthesis, so if this is if if this actually affects seagrasses, mm-hmm. that's going to affect other things like the manatees and things that eat seagrasses. Right, and and turtles and and some of the seagrasses. Uh, what's kind of cool about it though is that seagrass takes up carbon dioxide and photosynthesizes and produces oxygen. And so in, in many cases, we're seeing that the seagrass is actually doing well. 
but um, our other ecosystem organism, building or organisms like those corals that build entire coral reefs are not doing well, which means those ecosystems are going to start to change and shift to something different, um, uh, maybe a more macroalgal, because that's another thing, algae likes carbon dioxide. And if we start to see algal blooms from this or macroalgal blooms that maybe are toxic or, or something else, that could be problematic as well. So like if uh, you were to, you probably talk to other OA scientists a lot. What does everyone want to know the most right now? <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Oh, the genie in the lamp. <laughs> That's a big question. Um, so a lot of what we've been focusing on and, and a lot of our colleagues in the last few years is trying to determine who are going to be what we call the winners and who are going to be the losers, who, you know, which organisms might actually be able to withstand these types of environmental changes and which ones are just not going to they're either not going to grow or they're going to crash or you know they're 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 morphologically like structurally they're going to change and they're not going to be able to provide the the normal stuff that they do for the ecosystems that they're in now and so we've been we've been focusing on a lot of different organisms but um there's been a big shift now to look at actual entire ecosystems and how that may be affected because you know we can look at individual organisms but now we're going to start looking at the interactions within the or the ecosystem without getting too sciencey um we want to you know know okay if we have coral and seagrass and fish and urchins you know how are they all going to behave together in these environments so that, that's what we're starting to try to touch on now and, and i think a lot of my colleagues are very interested in in going in that direction as well well, that'd be interesting and, and sounds like important to know. Yes. And difficult to do. Yes. <laughs> I think if I were just anyone who didn't have a great interest in science, I would just want to know if, if sources of food are going to stick around, you know, seafood, um, or if we're all going to be eating uh, more seaweed in the future or something like that. Algae. We all algae. will be eating algae. Yeah. and 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 so another interesting thing is that it's not just ocean acidification that's happening. We also have climate change. So two big kind of global hits on our ecosystems. But like I said, when I, when I mentioned keeping your backyard clean, we still are polluting um, in a lot of areas. We still have oil accidents. We still have uh, people dumping sewage into and, and I don't mean we like necessarily here, but all around the world. And, and so, you know, these ecosystems, if they're already not going to do well with ocean acidification, and then they're not going to do well with increasing temperatures, and then we hit them with some of these other more local impacts. Yeah, well, we might be eating seaweed. <laughs> so wait, so how do you get up in the morning and come in here and with a smile still? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty doom and gloom. This is, she said heavy chemistry. This is heavy chemistry. This is, this is heavy, heavy <laughs> chemistry. Seeing as how, you know, okay, the industrialized countries are starting to do better, but there's so many other countries that are, are up and coming and starting to realize, oh, wow, we can have cars and we can have this and right. we can have that. So they're adding more and more co2 into the environment and, and, and is exacerbating right um, climate change yeah it's it's tough but you can't you know you have to go into it with hope and you have to go into it knowing that um, we're you know we need to survive in this world and and you know people are 
Hopefully. You have that you have that poster in your office with the kitty <laughs> that says hang on there, yeah. don't you? <laughs> yeah, you know, I have hope in people and faith in people and that um I mean things have changed a lot and even in the last ten years as far as uh how much people are starting to care more about their environment. So just seeing that is is really helpful and it, it keeps us interested in, in trying to understand what kind of changes we're gonna see and 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 to keep people informed and educated. Education is key. And so I you know I wouldn't do this if I didn't think we could, you know, survive and, and continue into the future and try to make the best we can of it. And and still be able to drive cars and, and get transportation. But Hey, you know, you feel better when you go out and walk and <laughs> ride a bike than And you buy that electric car. <laughs> yeah, sure. All those things. And and we're gonna you know, and I'm sure um there's gonna be new technology coming out that'll be better and better. It, we we see it every year. So um you gotta have you have to have hope and faith. Yay, Emily. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> so um before we finish up, I wanna hear a little bit of the specifics of what you're studying uh now or recently. What's uh what what might interest people? Well, um we're just starting a couple of new experiments. Uh oh gosh, I have a lot going on. I'll I'll tell you a little bit about a couple of them. One, we're gonna uh look at the effects of ocean acidification and climate change on sea cucumbers. Uh, which is pretty exciting to have sea cucumbers in the lab. Huh. Um, they, these guys, you know, these are important organisms on coral reefs and and in other areas. And and there's indication that they may be affected or that they may, um, you know, physiologically there may be some impacts. And they're already overfished in many parts of the world. So I, yeah, I yeah. learned. But we had some Chinese guests here that so many people, especially in Asia, eat them. Yes, and the, and they get a lot of their sea cucumbers from here. Too. So oh, from this okay. area or from you know, the U.S. So see, I look at that thing and think that's a blob. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm not eating that. <laughs> but, no, but, but people do. They're, apparently, they're healthy. Really? Yeah, that's what they mentioned to me. <laughs> I don't know. I've never tried them, but <laughs> okay. Um, and we've done some studies on sea urchins also that are eaten around the world. Um, and uh, let's see. We we're gonna do a study. Uh, I don't want to get too controversial, but we're gonna start looking at the effects of uh, ocean acidification on Karenia brevis, our local red tide. Really? Yeah, to see Whoa. if it might have an effect on the toxicity or, you know, its its growth or photosynthesis, you know, that kind the of thing. The enemy to red tide, maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to start doing that kind of work and um, some work on sea anemones. So it's not just coral. We're doing a lot of different organisms. And then we are starting our, I mentioned that kind of coral ecosystem study. We're going to be doing that down in the Keys for a year. We're going to be running an experiment so that's exciting too so yeah that's where you like you have a bunch of tanks set up with like little mini communities of organisms yeah yeah and we're doing that in partner with scientists from around the world too so from throughout the u.s and people in sicily and in israel and jordan and cuba a bunch of scientists are coming together to really try to work on that together which is nice because like i said it's a global issue and so we're all really trying to work together to understand especially how it might relate to our areas that we're in well an international collaboration is important in any scientific study i think oh yeah definitely yeah and that's you know that's it is important because what scares me the most about oa and climate change and things like that is that 
you know, some reefs around the world look really great today, and it's but they are not totally safe from these things um, that are global. Right. We um, we've seen a lot of problems in a lot of reefs around the world. We do have areas of refugia or that we we say yeah. may be protected, but usually there's something really unique about that that's not typical of other reefs. Like there may you know it may be that they have CO2 in the environment because it's close to a volcano. So those mm. organisms have adapted to that already you know for hundreds of years. So something like that or that it's more of a protected area that has river impacts. I mean it's different. It's different everywhere. And uh, we would be totally remiss if we didn't mention that uh, you guys told me about how you and Jim from dove into a possible um, natural lab for <laughs> OA studies in off of Florida. What was that about? Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> there are um, a bunch of what we call blue holes uh, throughout, uh, at least off of the west coast of Florida. Mm-hmm. Jim Coulter, who's a benthic ecologist at Moat, has been exploring these, totally just exploratory. These are kind of deep technical dives. A lot of them, the holes will open up at anywhere from 60 to 100 feet under the surface of the water. And then you, you see a hole that can be 100 feet across or it can be the size of a manhole and you kind of have to squeeze in. It's like more like cave diving at that point. And Jim does all that. <laughs> um, but we've found that the there's reduced pH in these environments. There's um, It's just a very different chemistry, but there are there's a huge diversity of organisms living right around these holes from very tiny microscopic things to calcifying organisms like corals that we find, um, sponges, other, uh, bivalves and stuff to the bigger kind of game fish. These are great fishing spots, which is why I'm not going to tell anyone where they are, <laughs> but, um, sea turtles and sharks, we see it's hugely diverse, but it's, it's a reduced pH environment. So we're exploring these and trying to understand, you know, why things are doing so well here and, and, you you know, in what might be a naturally acidified environment. Hmm. So we have our lab here in Sarasota, but we also have a, a much bigger um, system down in, at our lab in the Florida Keys and Summerlin Key, where we can do big, huge experiments, and um, we bring in students for education, and we, again, all kinds of collaborative work. So, yeah, I get to work both here and in the Keys, and it's well, a little bit of... Yeah, hopefully uh, the new facility will be even better. Yeah, it's a little bit of a commute, but it's yeah, all right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> M, any thing you'd like people to know um <laughs> any not last words but any is there anything like you think people really need to know about oa before we sign off here? no i just i hope people get educated about it and really try to understand and the same thing with climate change you know there's there are a lot of non-believers out there and and that's fine but you know at least try to understand what's going on and try to understand what it means and 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 really focus on well you know don't don't get discouraged and think well I can't do anything everybody can you just like I said keep those backyards clean and like literally your backyard if you fertilize less or don't put dump too many pesticides figure out ways to keep it healthy then it's going to help with your local ecosystems, which will help with the bigger ocean, which will help with the world. <laughs> so, so keep an open mind. Yeah. Help keep your place clean and conserve. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you very much for being our guest today. Thank you for having me. It was me. really nice having you. Yeah. And hearing what you're doing. Cool. Mm-hmm. So. So this is uh, Joan Haley and Emily signing off for two sea fans at Moat. <laughs> <laughs>